0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music.
1: there they go and there they go here we are baby it's the x-men podcast i'm your host doc coyle thank you for tuning in my greatest apologies for a gap between shows um we yeah, only put out one show th- so far this month in october and uh primarily it's because i was on a european tour uh for about a month and it was a grind uh <laughs> The actual tour itself, the, the shows were incredible. Um, Battles got to open up for three days, Grace, uh, Canadian rockers, and yeah, the shows were insane, huge. Uh, and I, I, we had no idea what we were kind of walking into. We didn't see any ticket sales or or anything, or you know how we would go over their, you know, fairly mainstream band, and it was great, but. Uh, on the uh, the opposite end of that was you know we're on our fourth consecutive tour going back to April and I'm gonna be honest guys the uh, you know the frayed ends of sanity the Metallica song I think that was what was going on 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 that run every every you know uh, Tommy our singer uh, he, he traveled from Australia and got um, a bronchial infection um you know I missed a show you know was worried he would have to cancel the tour. And uh, you know, I think everyone you know, the you, you know, you get over there, and you know, the tour bus is not quite as comfortable as you know, maybe the the U.S. tour bus. You know, it's colder, it's grayer, it's raining, and you know, I think the the confluence of of everything actually really started to take its toll on the band and myself. Um, and so, with that, <laughs> I think uh, you know, it was. I know for myself, I was just kind of not coasting to the end, but, but really just, just trying to survive my way through in it. And, and, uh, the opportunities weren't always there to kind of work on the show in the way I like to. And then at the end of the tour, we got to go to Sweden, Tommy and I had to do some press, the, uh, the record or the single, excuse me, zombie single went gold there and I was traveling a few days and, you know, I was having insomnia and then I got home and I, went to Vegas and it was just, you know, it's been a really um, difficult uh, stretch, you know, despite how great the shows are just physically like my, you know, my neck went out on the last tour. Now it's kind of become a chronic thing and my back went out before the tour and that's kind of created this new thing. And so it's just been, um, you know, it's, it's been a lot. And this is, I think the, you know, you know, I talk a lot about kind of the health factor of of you know mental health physical health and 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 all that and there's a lot of downsides which is why you know bands who are much bigger and more established and can kind of call their own shots about their schedule do don't tour like this because it it definitely you know if you don't allow that kind of recovery time um you know you definitely start to feel the impact and it's it's affected our relationships it's uh you know like i said affected our mental health some of our, some of our physical health and yeah you just kind of have to deal with it and because of that i had the the show unfortunately had to take a back seat to some of that stuff um but don't worry i've, I've been thinking about you guys and uh you know I, I i feel bad about that And it's funny i had two shows in the can but i you know I wanted, you know, wanted to be able to do my intros and outros. I've thought about just releasing, you know, if I, if I don't have time to actually do all this stuff, maybe just releasing the interview as a show and, uh, you know, guys, maybe chime in, send me a message. Let me know if you'd be cool with that. Or if you really need the intros and outros and kind of these little monologues, um, you know, if, if that's really what needs for the show to be what it is. I'm not totally sure, but you know, I might start experimenting with that if I don't. Also always have time to record this stuff in the way I like to. But um, with that, uh, things are going great. Uh get I leave on Sunday to start the second leg of the 500 Death Punch Breaking Benjamin Tour in the United States. And then we go to Canada with Three Days Grace. And by the way, I can't um, I can't thank those guys enough. They were so great to us. Uh, they're really, really nice guys. And uh, they went out of their way to make us feel comfortable and I just want to thank them so much and I'm, and it makes me that much more excited to do the Canadian tour because we know they're they're great guys and then we have nothing more who you know we got along like gangbusters on the last tour so it's uh it's nice to go into a couple tours where you where you know everyone it's it's very um familiar and that's you know you know it's one less thing to worry about so you know we're definitely going to end the year strong and I'm just hopefully my body holds up and uh you know I've been lucky enough not to get sick really even though a lot of the people are getting sick so you know you know it's from the outside looking in I know you guys see the pictures and the videos it just looks like uh we're living the the life on high and in many ways we are but you know the other side of it is is not as present you know unless you're kind of in it you know so uh you know I try and keep it real here as much as possible and uh want to get you know give you guys a little insiders look into what's going on and uh but overall yeah europe amazing the fans there are amazing We got to go to eastern europe uh well well, not very much we went to uh Czech czech republic and poland those shows were absolutely insane and uh yeah i can't be more excited to to establish the band uh in that part of the world and even though it, it's it's a it's a little bit harder work and you're a little less comfortable if you can put you can invest the time in now then you could definitely get the benefits, uh, in the long run. And I'm all about making those, um, making those investments and sacrifices. So anyway, uh, you know, another thing I kind of want to talk about real quick is, uh, you know, we lost a metal brother recently, um, Ollie Herbert, the lead guitar player from all that remains. And, uh, he was, he was a friend, you know, and, uh, you know, and I've, I've lost, or we've lost, you know, a lot of, a lot of brothers and sisters in arms, you know um, in our scene you know since however long you know and but it's kind of crazy I feel like it's always been you know like Dave Brocky passed away and he was you know that's a band that took God forbid out and they were like the senior veteran um, you know band and you know if someone like Mitch Looker passing away and you know Suicide Silence was kind of in the next wave of of bands and with Ali it's like it's kind of like all that remains, that was like my class, you know, if you were to kind of use the analogy of, of high school. Um, and it's the first person really in my class, you know, in my our group, you know, of bands that we all came up at the same time, you know, kind of bring in this style way you want to call it new wave American heavy metal or Metalcore or, or whatever, what uh, was going on in the in, in the Northeast. Um, you know, that we were together. And, you know, we did our first show with uh, All Their Mains at Lamore in Brooklyn in 2000. And uh, and I'd seen them actually at the New England Metal Fest earlier that year. And I remember being really impressed. And, you know, Ollie was a really, he was one of those guys where, you know, I, you know, just, you just never heard anybody say anything bad about him. Um, and I loved, my favorite thing about him is, you know, people who are unafraid to be a nerd and unafraid to be passionate about something you know we call him the metal wizard because this guy just wore it on his on his sleeve um and i love that i love that unbridled passion like uh i definitely suggest you guys go check out the jamie josta episode with him uh because you get to hear how how open-minded he is um and how much he you know he just loves you know this guy just loves music you know loves music and and one of the things about him and that band in particular and i always had so much respect uh for for him for is, is like never stopping getting better and never stopping improving this guy just it and put hours and hours and hours into his playing uh to constantly get better um and that's so admirable you know and and the thing about him is is you know, it's rare these days because we're in a different era. I think when it comes to guitar and instrumental music, we have someone who, um, has a, like a true identity and a sound Ali played, man, he had a fucking sound. You knew exactly who it was. Um, and there's just not many of those people left anymore. Um, so it's a, it's a tremendous loss, you know, and and I, and I send, you know, my heart and, um, you know, definitely sorrow out to all the guys and all their means, uh, cause I've known those guys forever, and you know his family and just everyone who cared. And you, you saw, you know, the the outpouring, man. That guy affected a lot of people, um, and uh, and it really bums me out every time I think about it. It's it's kind of hard to believe that it's a real thing. And um, yeah, you know, just love Ali, and I'm, I'm I'm really gonna miss him. And I just wanted to to say a few words about him. So sending sending send some love. So with that said, I'm going to move forward to this week's show sponsor. We have a band from Los Angeles called The Human Extinction. We're going to play a track entitled Martial Law. Check it out. Heavy ass shit. Anyway, that was the human extinction. Uh and that track, man, that was that was badass. I was I was feeling that. Um, yeah, Martial Law. If you want to check them out, head over to their Facebook, and that's facebook.com backslash the human extinction. And their in- instagram is THX underscore official. And they also have a YouTube page with a music video for that song, and it's THX official thank you so much to them for supporting this show and please check them out like i said when you guys uh check out and support uh the bands that support the show it basically keeps this rolling over here and it, and it really means the world to me especially when it's a really good band like it is today and uh and i i appreciate them so without all that bullshit out the way not today bullshit that's that's the real shit i'm just saying the, the pre-stuff you know you, you know for you guys who probably came here to listen to my interview with uh CC from Blackville Brides, just want to give a little precursor. I've known this guy uh wow, like 12, 13 years and um you know, been been one of the real homies since I I moved to LA and you know, we've been talking about doing doing the show for for quite some time cuz I don't think a lot of people know about his background, but you know, the, you know, they've Blackville Brides, you know, they've been so successful and um you know, it's you know, I just love having the homies on and see people doing doing well. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. So please check out my conversation with Chris Mora, aka Cece, from Black Rail Brides. Check it. <laughs> Get, did you get one of those, those drum, drummer mics yet? Like like Tommy Lee or something yet?
2: No, the headset ones? Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Not do, yeah. You're not doing that? Come on, man. No, I'm not doing that. My bass player does. He runs around
1: with one of those things and like, yeah. Um, See, Ash, so you know what he should do? Is he should like switch to like keytar. <laughs> Kitar instead of I, I think i think that's like the next level from the headset
2: yeah well i mean we we were trying to bring the 80s thing back you know for a while but i don't i don't know if we're going that 80s you know we're Listen, going dragon force uh keyboard
1: player played guitar.
2: i saw a dj recently that played guitar. and i i didn't uh, i was like okay you saw
1: a dj do that.
2: yeah he does he does live stuff uh with the keytar but uh dragon
1: force keytar I've never fucking kitar, bro. Cause so he can go and like shred with all the dudes. How is that? It's fucking amazing. You know, if you if you're if your uh heart runs runs red with the steel of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, and like 280 bpm or whatever they're doing. They're doing some some fast shit there. It's no joke. It's no joke. So deep deep are we in the 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 bowels of Hollywood.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're in the cuts, man. We're like right in the dead center, you know, where uh, shit smeared on the sidewalk and, and people are wigging out and you're wondering if you're gonna go home with a wallet still but it, it's cool uh, we were having a conversation about me moving and um, as much as I like this place it, I think I'm I'm a little over the you're
1: done you're done yeah well it's funny like, when I got your address I was like and by the way I won't I won't post your your address so. I mean you can't I, I, you're, I re- yeah, you're leaving you're yeah leaving. I'm leaving I I'm wish shouldn't. people would come here and just like <laughs> harass
2: the apartment complex. I have uh, not such a great experience well, here. But...
1: Ryan Downey was saying that um your singer was uh Andy was his he got doxxed and then people like stalked his his house or something.
2: Yeah, someone uh he told me somebody broke into his house and like stole a bunch of memorabilia. Jesus. Um I don't know exact or I don't know if it was broken into his house or his car or something and uh stole a bunch of memorabilia and it's pretty crazy, man. Uh, I I've been to Several other places I've lived at before this place, like people would show up and like wait outside. And we're right across from uh, this building over here, and there was like a bunch of like YouTube people that live there, and so there would just be kids outside just waiting for them to come out. Oh,
1: for like, the YouTube stars. Yeah, for
2: like the YouTubers and stuff, and it, it's it's pretty gnarly. It's um. They're the they're the new rock stars. They are man. I was I remember doing like Warp Tour a few years years back, and we were doing like VIP meet and greets, and then like they were like I think that was the first year they had YouTubers on there. I was like, is that like a thing now? And they were like, kids were going nuts over them.
1: Like seriously they're like So they would have YouTubers on your YouTube do their show from warp tour essentially. They were just doing I think meet and greets at that point and yeah. just
2: like meeting the fans and like going to a booth and maybe doing like seminars or something possibly I don't even know. Well they have
1: their version of Comic-Con VidCon in San Diego oh, and yeah. I've seen footage here and there and it's insane. It's oh, like if yeah. they're it's like they're the Beatles or, or or something like that. And they're because the fan bases are extremely young, you know, 12, oh, yeah. 13. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean that that's who you know, a lot of our success in Blackville Brides was due, you know, to like merchandise and it's from like the fanatical, you know, I, almost maniacal at, at times the fan base you know and they they want to just buy everything up and the, you know they're so supportive and we would land in south america somewhere and there'd be like hundreds of, if not thousands and you feel like bieber i mean you're you're seeing <laughs> yeah you're getting that now it's like
1: what the hell like it's well, uh, i don't know if we're getting like like you guys maybe maybe eventually i mean it's definitely changed i mean i think but your guys in, in particular i mean it's 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 so funny so I, I have to talk about this you know we we met when you were playing with a band called silent civilian yeah yeah that was back, back in 2005 five six yeah and um and i didn't see you basically you know i don't know how long you played with with silent civilian after after that and for people who know silent civilian was uh the band uh johnny from spine shank did afterward and it was a little more like metal a little more metal core yeah um really good band oh thanks man and um you know, I don't know how, how, like how long did you, did you play with Sound Civilian? So, uh, one day I found an ad online and
2: I don't even remember where it was. It was so long ago. It was probably like 2003, 2004. I want to say 2004 um, and it was Johnny, Johnny Santos from Spine Shade. I was like, oh, I remember like, I remember that band. I was like, oh, I'll go audition. So I went to audition I made it and him and I just started this band and um, wrote an album in his, in his living room. You know, I, I bought an electronic kit and we just did what we had to do and um got it out and then we started touring on it and i only did one album because it was we were just nonstop I mean, you yeah. know we would go I think more than like 11 months, you know, like I would look at the dates and it would literally not be like any time at home, which I mean, that's what, you know, when you, when you're building a brand in a band, you, you kind of
1: have to, and if you, if the opposite of that, if you don't have a bunch of tour dates, then it tends to die on the vine. Exactly. And so, you know, it's feast or famine. So it's, to speak, It's hard to build momentum without touring.
2: Absolutely. And, and it wasn't the tour. I love touring. Like I love being on the road. Uh, but for yeah for what we were doing we were just constantly you know you guys were grinding
1: wasn't you guys weren't at headliner status so you were probably weren't making much money yeah no
2: not at all so like uh we were actually I, i don't want to say mismanaged but there was just a lot of bad business decisions that happened and so you know we eventually got to a level that we were on a bus but we couldn't afford the bus and so we would when we did headlining shows we would be playing for like 60 people or something but we were on this is when headbangers ball was still around so we would be on like our videos were on mtv2 you know when jamie jamie's hosting that show jamie josta and we would hear ourselves on the radio like on xm and stuff like that but it didn't really like the the success you know didn't transfer to the financial level and i was i was young and hungry i was just like i don't care i just want to tour i want to play rock you know or metal or whatever are you from out here Yeah, yeah i'm born and raised in la one of the few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm a bit more coastal than Hollywood. But, what else what,
1: uh, what, oh, so you're more about from the West Side?
2: Yeah, I, I grew up in a town called Rancho Palos Verdes. So it's like uh, kind of by Long Beach, like down there by the coast and stuff. And so. Um, but that
1: was your first big break or. Yeah, yeah.
2: And so, and so we got, we started a band together. We did that, you know, we did an album. And then. Um, I just felt like we weren't getting like enough push and this and that and so I asked for a contract and kind of got slapped in the face from the record label at that time with like a huge contract that was just not and what, I just, like eight
1: albums or something
2: yeah but yeah it was, it was I can't even remember something bad, like everything, everything, like just. Own, own. Oh, they, oh, it was, it was a 360 type. Pretty, deal. pretty, yeah, pretty much. And so, like, you know, and all my credit cards went to collections. I mean, we had band members qu- quit. Oh,
1: I, I, remember, I remember that period. <laughs> yeah, band
2: members <laughs> quitting left and right, and or getting fired, and so it was just like a constant revolving door of guitarists and like bass players, and Johnny and I were all were stuck through it. And then um, <laughs> we bought this, we bought this RV uh, before we got in a bus it was, or actually I think we got it, we got it after. So I don't know if you remember, there was a show back in the day on MTV called uh, Battle Battle for Oz Fest, was that what oh, it was? Oh yeah. The? Yeah, and so the the band that won was A, a Dozen Furies.
1: From Texas. From
2: yeah, Austin. and so we ended up buying their old converted RV with bunks and everything, and it was the biggest pile of shit ever. And I remember we, we got our trailer from Chimera in Ohio, and it was like a full-size bus trailer, but the RV, the frame was not strong enough to hold it. So... Uh, Eventually after touring for, you know, a few weeks or a month or something, the frame started breaking. So we had to weld, find a welder every other day to weld the frame. And come out and weld the frame because and it was so it was literally falling apart literally we had like duct tape on the corners and then it got to the point to where we had a hydraulic uh you know with the the pop out like the slide out on an rv and it got to the point where the hydraulic system broke and we would go around corners and the whole side would 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 slide out and we'd almost like tip over it was just an absolute nightmare it looked like like Worse than the Breaking Bad RV. And we were touring in it and everyone's quitting and like cars and collections. I used to have to like-
1: Was that the RV that you guys were on when we toured together? Or was that a rental, was that, wasn't that that a rental RV when- Oh yeah, we started in one of those like Cruise
2: America or Cruise USA or Cruise yeah. America ones, yeah. And then uh, I, it was just a nightmare and it got too much, man. I couldn't afford to eat. Like all my my credit cards were in collections. Like I used to have to go to Taco Bell and get like the hot sauces and like when my parents would give me like you know the going away like oh here's a bunch of snacks i would i swear i remember squirting taco bell hot sauces on the triscuits and being like fuck i'll just eat this for dinner and it got to the point where i was eating every single day on the rider was like two pizzas two you know little caesars and i would just start vomiting after eating it every single day for lunch and dinner for two weeks straight it was just like too much and then like never coming home i'm like i'm just done like this facade every time I would have time off everyone's like what's up rockstar oh man I see you guys on MTV you're living
1: the dream yeah yeah and
2: I'm just like and I'm not like crying the blues or whatever because I I feel that it's very important to have that you know and so the Beatles did it yeah yeah and any level of success I've gotten after that you know different groups I've been in uh I've I've always tried to just remember that And like when times are bad I'm always like at least you're not stealing hot sauces from Taco Bell and squirting them on
1: crackers well well, well, I think that's the stereotypical idea of paying dues, yeah, we've heard it. We've heard it's a cliche. Oh yeah, but and ever listen. Some people get very lucky where the first thing they do becomes the biggest thing. Most of us are not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and even a lot of those bands where eventually the band becomes really big. The early years are usually fairly rough. Yeah, I mean, you don't. I. It's it's a fairy tale now to just
2: start out. You know, either even mid level. You know less than like the top. I mean, you know, no one starts out at the top, but I had a great time doing it and I did it for like, what, three years, I think, like pretty what, much What did straight. you think
1: you learned about that period that helped inform the decisions you would make in the future?
2: Oh man, all kinds of things. I think like, I like, um, but tour etiquette, first of all, you know, how to, how to, you know, when you would get on bigger tours and there was catering around to, you know, let, the headliners eat first and like mm-hmm. i when i went out and it wasn't
1: no one told you no one no one you, told me Yelled that
2: yeah and i think i think it was a night on the el nino tour maybe even earlier than that that i kind of made a mistake and i was like oh yeah i should yeah and i didn't i was like i didn't even think
1: of that yeah because you're starving eating yeah yeah i mean
2: look at me i'm like 100, 120 pounds soaking wet boots and so <laughs> <laughs> it's like any any you know sustenance i could get i had to grab but uh yeah, things like that, like tour etiquette, um, you know, just the way the things work, uh, dealing. Uh, before we had a tour manager, we we're kind of tour managing ourselves. And so settling and dealing with stuff like that and just, budgets.
1: Just learning all the little nitty gritty of how a tour works. And-
2: yeah, yeah. Instead of like just thinking, oh, I'm going to get in a band, we're going to get signed and go on tour and, and this and that. And I mean, you know, this is. I don't even know how, like over 15 years ago, you know. And so I think things like that, you know, where you could save money, where where it's more important to to invest and spend some money on it for a live show mm-hmm. or and or crew, you know, with like we we didn't start with like we didn't even ha- ever have a lighting guy in that band, but I mean like we didn't start with like like you know we, we started with a couple technicians because we'd be too tired or or whatever, and just people uh, keeping and then we got a sound guy eventually. We'd always use a house sound guy, and mm-hmm. so we got a sound guy, and so just kind of figuring out uh, what was the smartest decision to invest our money in? You know, I I learned some stuff like that and just, and I think probably the most important thing would be like just building connections and relationships with people. I mean, like I met you back in that period Mm -hmm. and it's crazy that after all these years, we still hang and talk. And, um, I mean, I'm still friends with people I was on the very first tour ever. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy. That tour we were getting like a hundred dollars a night and, we we joined that tour not knowing we we're getting any guarantee, so we just yeah. did it like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll live off of merch sales, and so then we went. Um, it was a band called Nothing Face back in the day. Oh, of course. Yeah, and so that that was our first uh, cross country tour, and um, yeah, and so it's like,
1: you guys got pretty good tours though. You good support slots.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We we were doing great. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all bad. I mean, honestly, that was like one of the best times of my life. You know, and so looking back on it now, I sound all jaded and everything, but. Um, Back then, I was having the time of my life. Those were my best years, just performing every night because I was like finally able to realize that I can live my dream, you know. And so for me, that was living the dream until mm-hmm. collection agencies started calling, and you know, I started getting like uh, ending up in the emergency room for you know dehydration and all kinds of things. And I'm like, look, this is like this is not going so well. So,
1: so do you remember the actual moment? that made you quit, or did, did you quit, or did, were you kicked out, uh, or? Oh, no, no,
2: I quit, and then I came back to record the second record, and that was the time I got that contract, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just not gonna do this. Like, I, I can't, like, I can't. So I went back to my day job, which was at a hospital. Um, I was like, I can't, and I, I hated that job, but I figured like, hey, I could get like health insurance and actually make a, you know, a salary and, pay, try to, try to pay these credit cards off and maybe I'll try it again. And so I did that uh, for a few more years and then I got
1: the call to join Blackville Brides. And so. So at that point, how, how far along was, was Blackville? um, 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 they, they
2: were about to release their first album. And so they recorded their first album And they were about to release it. And um, I worked with the two guitars. I had a bunch of side projects in between Silent Civilian and Blackville Brides. One of which was a band called 80 Proof Riot, which is um, Jake and Jinx that are in Blackville. Gotcha. Yeah, so the three of us were jamming and doing like, you know, heavier metal metal songs and stuff like that. Um, But that didn't work out. We never performed. And I was just kind of like, I'm not going to waste my time just always in a rehearsal unit without any type of end game plan. And so funny enough, while we were doing that, uh, Jinx met the singer of Blackville Andy and then started working with Andy making music and then Jinx asked Jake like oh you want to come help like write an album for the, for this band so then they wrote the album started going and then they kind of realized that they, they needed needed somebody a little bit uh, more fitting for the drummer position I guess I could say but
1: well so you, you you're in one of those bands, and I I have these theories of mine about why certain bands work and why certain bands are su- successful, and I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I haven't talked about it in a while that some of the most successful bands, all the members are like the around the same height and same size, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are you're all like one twenty something. yeah, man, like and you're you know you're all about the same similar height, and it and it works. You look you you know. I can imagine in addition to your, to your playing, which is obviously great. They looked at you and said, this guy fits in with, with what's going on because there is, you know, it, it it is a band where visually and the aesthetic and the, the image is so vital to, Uh to, to what you, because it, because it is at its heart. What, what is, do they say like what a brand is, is the idea that when you, if I just say the word Coca-Cola, Imagery and I in an idea. Yeah. And that's what that's what a brand is and that and and One of the best ways to convey that is is through imagery.
2: Oh for sure, you know, we're a very aesthetic band and we uh, back when we were doing in that period we'd do like black paint all over our arms and you know Kind of like the motley crew esque haircuts, you know yeah. and, and stuff like that. We kind of looked um it was a throwback to the 80s. I mean, we all grew up listening to Motley and Kiss, and uh, I personally was a bit what y- What year was
1: this? Uh, this was back in, uh, around 2009, 2010. So now you have to correct something for me, or at least fill me in, because I remember seeing a video uh, or like a, a GIF, GIF for the for the, yeah. for the for the young kids of someone doing the crab core. Was that Blackfell or was that attack, attack? Attack, attack. You guys never crab core? No. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that, that wasn't us. But yeah, we 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 had like all the makeup on. We we had our faces painted, and like it was it was pretty pretty gnarly and a bunch of black leather and stuff. But yeah, you're right. Like we all had black hair. We were all like really thin. Um, you know, some dudes are shorter than others, but in pictures we all try to kind of be around the same height mm-hmm. and uh, look, look. I mean, almost look like. Uh, I don't want to say a team, but you know, yeah. we had this like uniform look. It was between the gang. Us. Yeah, and so at that time it was so different. Um, I don't wanna say different. I mean, we didn't reinvent the wheel or anything. We just had, we were heavily influenced by a lot of different bands. And um, at that time, I think a lot of the success was uh, contributed to, you know, the message that we were trying to convey, the the imagery. And um, a lot of it, a lot of people hated it too, you know? Like it it, is- Well, I mean,
1: you have that infamous moment. Was it the Metal Hammer Awards or the- Oh,
2: the Golden Gods. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. We just won best song, song of the year and literally i remember i can't even remember what year that was Every, everyone was pissed because i think we beat out event sevenfold and everyone was like not i would say less than thrilled with the way uh the voting system went but again we have the like the gnarliest fans you know like we have because it was a
1: fan voted award. yeah
2: and it's like well what did you expect we have seriously the most dedicated fans the last fan base i've seen like that would be like Slipknot in their like early days, you yeah. know, and it was it was it was very similar to that, and we we would just blow away everybody in every fan voted award. I mean, we have so many awards from that because like the kids are just so diehard. I don't want to call them kids, but I mean, people of all shapes, sizes,
1: and ages. I mean, it's like they were just so fanatical about it. And so when when, when you joined the band, was it immediate? In terms of was was the momentum already there when you joined? The, the
2: momentum was going, but I think it the 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 momentum was on the way up. But kind of what like shot us off of you know into like the stratosphere, so to speak. Um, after that was the follow the follow up record like um, uh, set the world on fire. So we did that. I remember we played download. And, our, our, and the UK and our, our ads were just everywhere. And we were on Kerrang! TV. We were like doing all kinds of What label of you, were you guys on? on uh, Universal time? Republic. Okay. Yeah, well, Republic Records, which is also Universal. So the first album was on a record label called Standby, which I wasn't. I didn't record that. I wasn't a part of that album. Which currently, uh, we're going to be recording a 10-year re-release of that.
1: Just yeah. re-record the songs. Yeah,
2: re-record the songs. And so there they may be... We haven't gotten into the production about that yet. But, I mean, there may be a minor changes here and there. But I, I think it's going to be pretty, you know, pretty similar but redone. Mm. And so I, I'm going to be doing the drums on those songs. And so it'll be a cool thing to listen to for the fans. But, yeah. And so, yeah, getting back to the award show, there was literally, like, some dude tried to fight me. And I was on stage and I was like, Get down here, I'll, I'll kick your ass. And I'm like, dude... I don't know you. I just like was I won an award. Like, what do you want me to do while you were
1: on stage? Accepting while I'm the on award. stage,
2: my singer is like giving the acceptance speech, yeah. and like a dude, just like big dude, like biker dude, he would have smashed me, you know. Like, and I, he was just like, "Get down or I'll kick your ass," and I'm like, "I didn't even do anything to you." And so you could see me, and I just started clapping. And by the end of the speech, he's like, "Oh, you're all right, man. You're all right." And I don't know if everyone was just hammered or or what, but um, yeah, we definitely didn't make many friends that night, but.
1: this is the story of Whitney Houston
0: this is the story of Kurt Cobain
1: of George Michael of Otis Redding of Amy Winehouse of Michael Hutchins Bob Marley this is the story of Prince
0: it's a new podcast series
1: about how they died why they died And while we're still talking about them so long after...
0: It's like nothing you've ever heard before.
1: It's storytelling.
0: But it's more than that, because rock stars...
1: They tell us how we feel. They change our mood.
0: They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with.
1: The way we remember things.
0: It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're...
1: Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood.
0: And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling...
1: It's coming soon from Crowd Network.
0: Just search for Death of a Rock on your podcast app and subscribe
1: now.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar
0: people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up.
2: Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Again, I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think that's awesome. And so until this day, there's people that's like, oh, that was awesome. And we went backstage and Zach Wilde, I mean, I wasn't buddies with him or anything and he, he gave us like hugs. He was like, oh my God, that was so awesome. Like, because we were, we were a pain in the ass. We were young, we were cocky and you know, it's like we pissed everybody off and we knew we did and we would kind of do it even more if if we didn't get the reaction we wanted. And so, I mean, I think that, you know, turned a lot of heads and- was- Well,
1: I, I think that's one of the kind of best ideas. Cause not only did you win, cause sometimes it's like this thing with, with Oscar film, films yeah. that win the Oscar, people rare, often rarely remember who won. They remember who kind of got was snubbed, but you guys won, but it was almost like you were the underdog anyway, because you got so much hate. Yeah, And so it it, it became very memorable. And I think historically artists that have longevity and artists that make an impact are, are artists that are very polarizing, right? So so oh, yeah. so that evoke a strong reaction either way, whether that's they hate you or they love you.
2: Yeah, and we've won so many people over too. I mean, people would just read on the internet, you know, hate comments on YouTube things or this and that. And um honestly we got we got tired of talking about it and uh there were so many people that were turned on to the band and then like then it started becoming like i don't i don't understand why everyone hates these guys like yeah i don't really like the way they look and we kind of toned down we didn't change for anybody we just felt like that wasn't us i mean i was i was literally brushing paint chips out of my bunk every night because i was just completely painted like a fence from my waist up you know to my like it was so we we kind (laughs) of tiled it down a bit and it was it was gross but i mean and we kind of just like never went away you know and we we kept do, doing tours, doing doing albums and stuff. I mean, we have a lot more more time off now in between albums and stuff, and we are not pumping out an album like every year like yeah. we used to. But um, yeah, we were we were working really hard and um, you know pissing people off on the process, and I think it all worked out. You know, to the the band's benefit in the end.
1: Well, I I think one of the things that's really funny is how me and you reconnected was. I wasn't even living in LA yet. I was visiting. I think it was actually literally after the last God forbid tour ever, and I spent like a week in LA just yeah. hanging out. And Steel Panther was playing, oh. and we were up in oh the God. foundation room at at the House of Blues. Yeah, and we were in that. It was a hallway, and we ran into each other. And you were like, "Doc, <laughs> it's easy, man. I'm from besides I'm in Blackmail Brides right now, and I I met." Uh, jinx i think i met that night as 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 well and um and he was super nice and you were just super you were just so cool oh thanks man and um and it was it's just kind of cool to see people um who are in one station right and and in the environment where you're in a struggling band and and there's a million of those people out there that are just grinding it right yeah like you said eating eating the triscuits and yeah and uh, getting a call from the credit card man and oh yeah (laughs) yeah so that there's there's a million of those people but there's only a handful that get to kind of break out and get to be in a band that is actually has a real career and does big touring and has you know you know what's like you know you look at you know your notoriety in terms of just attention like like how many twitter followers or do you have Uh, I think like eighty-five, 485, four
2: 485,000.
1: Thousand. Yeah. Thousand. How many
2: Instagram followers you got? Oh, man, I think that's at like, it's a, I think it's a little bit less at like 457. Or something. All right. So that's
1: a type of social capital yeah. that actually has a monetary value, right? Like, I don't know if people re- reach out to you, but they have influencers, right? So they'll yeah. pay someone who has a lot of followers to wear a jacket and post a picture or oh yeah, post yeah. A, you know i don't know if, if people ask you do do things like that but clearly there's whatever success level the, the band has had it's also had this kind of uh fallout where you've gotten as you know notoriety as an individual
2: yeah it's 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 crazy
1: and um be, because of
2: the uh the, like the Trisket story and everything, I've never tried to lose sight of how fortunate I was. And for that same thing, you say there's millions of people out there, there's millions of more talented musicians than myself. And and I know that, you know, and it's, it's I, I always try to stay humble and never get an ego or anything. You know, there, you, you turn it on and off when you're performing, you know? Yeah, you, well, you
1: have to because yeah. you, you I don't think you can be the, a very dynamic performer if you're up there doubting yourself and not thinking you're great. Like you kind of have to think you're great for that moment to do a move. Yeah. Or feel oh, it. Yeah. Or feel it a certain way or or express it. It's it's you know, in a sense, even if you're not wearing the makeup, you are you have to put on a mask. Oh, of, sure. Absolutely. Of the, you know, uh metaphorically of this badass. Yeah. You know, and and listen, you and you and even just being on tour, you kind of have to wear that. You have to be you have to be on to a certain degree or kind of be that person. Cause yeah. you do, I mean, you, you guys still do meet and greets and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. We still do this. Yeah. So, you know, they, 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 you know, uh, I think it was, no, it was Paul Stanley. Just, it was just his, he was complaining about one of the reasons why I think rock has suffered overall is that a lot that post grunge era is that a lot of the bands started to take the mentality of being regular people and looking like regular people. And he, he thought that to really expand the the genre and, and have a big big success like on a global sense and in a cultural sense, you have to be larger than life. Yeah. And that's a big reason why most of the, the the rock stars are rappers now. Yeah. Or cause they don't they don't look like normal people, they don't act like normal people, they don't and it's it creates this level of, of aspirational um kind of like in the, in the, that's it's not really obvious but it's there and then yeah. there's an like absence of that and you guys kind of brought that back in a way
2: yeah we, I mean we had to <clears throat> I feel you know I'm playing with some of the most talented dudes I know um, and everyone's given it their all. And, you know, it, it, we kind of uh, would all push each other further. And, you know, especially wearing the makeup and those outfits. And so we had to kind of live up to, to expectations and things like that. And we, we did want to be larger than life, you know, and we wanted to look a certain way and act a certain way. And immediately, you know, in our earlier years in our career, we would be walking around these festivals and, you know, people would like look at us or whatever, you know, laugh or whatever, but they still knew who we were, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't know who the hell they were, you know. And I'm like, ah, I don't know who you are, but you know who I am. And I wouldn't walk around like that or say that, you know. But in my head, it's like, well, like you're talking about earlier, like building a brand, you know. You have you have this imagery about when you think of a name, you have this imagery of what what it is. And so uh, we were we were definitely doing that with the uh, the aesthetics and all, all of the the get up and the makeup and and stuff like that. But um yeah, man, I, you definitely got to give them something that's larger than life. Now there's there's too many amazing people out there, amazingly talented,
1: I should say, that just kind of blend in. And so I think, do you guys spend a lot of money on like production things like that to to I, elevate the the show? And uh, yeah, we
2: on this we did a co-headliner the the first um, few months of this year, and we split a video wall with Asking Alexandria. And so we did that. We have like a lighting guy. Um, sound I mean we don't have like no pyro yet we no, we do pyro um, not every night but when we have like big shows like we'll do pyro like Brixton or festivals and stuff like that and so like I always love those shows because I I never you know there's always something that's going on and um, yeah I I love pyro like that was always a dream of mine to be in a band that got to like the the level that you can use pyro and stuff and yeah sometimes they do different pyro and I get caught up with just staring at like what's going on on stage you know Mm -hmm pyrotechnically-wise, I should say. I don't even, I know that's not a word, but uh, I, I, I don't know, I love fireworks. If you look around that corner, I have fireworks right over there. <laughs> I have a big cake that I got while I was on tour in Utah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind it's of- sitting right
1: next to the radiator, guys. They're, it's really dangerous over yeah. Here. Yeah, it's, yeah, I like to live
2: <laughs> life on the edge. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's,
1: it's, I, I love fireworks and, and pyro and stuff like that. So you did a record with Bob Rock. Yeah. Okay, that's the now for for people like me, Metallica junkies, Metallica nerds, um, and even the records he did with, you know, Motley Crue and Bon Jovi, I mean, one of the greatest, if not the greatest rock producer, you know, the last 20 20 years. How did how did that all even come about? Uh, I think he reached out to
2: us, if I believe. Uh, he reached out and I remember hearing that we might work with Bob Rock and I was like, "What? Like that's seriously? Like that's crazy." So we had a meeting with him. Um, at a place called, it was kind of a, a diner, like breakfast type place called Swingers in, I don't, I don't know, I know that's- Swingers, it's yeah. right
1: on Beverly.
2: Yeah, yeah, that place. And uh, we had a meeting with him there, and yeah, and it kind of just, we talked, we liked him, he liked us, and we kind of uh, worked things out. And he came, and it was the first time we ever worked with a producer that would kind of orchestrate us. Like, okay, now you do, you do this, and you do this, and he was- So
1: would you, he would come to, your rehearsals or? Yeah,
2: so we we worked at uh, Mates. And so we just rented out Mates, I think for like a month. And we were just in there writing with, you know, all of us in a room writing together. And he was kind of orchestrating and like, oh, what about this? And having Jake and Jinx, like they work uh, together. It's almost like they share a brain, it's crazy. And even Bob was like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, it's just crazy, you know, seeing like, um, you know, especially working with Metallica and, you know, how influential are those guitarists? Uh, but Jake and Jinx kind of, would one would come up with a riff, the other one would finish it, and they would just trade, oh, you got something for the bridge, I have the perfect idea. And they would just do the do the guitars and blah, 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 and it would work, and we would talk about drums. And then I did drums in uh, North Hollywood. And then after I finished drums, we finished the album in Vancouver. He moved us to the the warehouse, which I think he did a Motley record there, if I'm not mistaken. He wanted us to be like where, where they were in Vancouver, so we went up there.
1: So were you, you guys were going in, into mates, with nothing or you would have ideas kind of already mapped out. And then that was part of the fleshing out process. Or we how- had
2: both. We had, we created some new ideas in the studio and would write. And then we also had like demos or like Jake would present an idea or Jinx would present an idea, uh, that they would like, you know, do scratch guitars or whatever, map out on their own. And so we would, we would do kind of both. We would have people bring in ideas and then we'd also create, you know, in the studio and it was kind of a little bit of both, which was which was pretty cool. And um, we never we never have done a a record like that. That was the only time we did that. And it was it was really interesting. He was one of my favorite producers I've ever worked with. He was he was he was great. I mean, honestly, he's like a Canadian that lives in Maui. How much more laid back can you get? Right. Like he and his stories about all the dudes and just his like pictures he would share with us and his stories and he's a legend and so you know it, it was really good spending time with him and working with him I
1: really enjoyed it well i mean that. as a drummer i mean I mean the drum tones that he's gotten are some of the biggest and craziest drum sounds. Was he dropping some secrets? Was this, was he giving you the secret sauce man? Uh, he,
2: yeah, he would, he would tell us a couple things about about uh, what what he's done in the past and actually we this is funny enough I just saw a video this is this is great. Uh, he's, he never saw a Kemper before he worked with us, and yeah. so he was like, "What what the hell is this?" And we we're like, "Oh, like check out the Kemper, which is you know similar for those that don't know, kind of like Axe Effects if you're a guitarist. And pretty much it's an amplifier that emulates whatever amplifier you could plug it into, and or microphone
1: that comes out of the cabinet. It's a, it's a digital simulation that many believe. Uh, I also have one. Um, many believe that it's the best digital recreation of the sound of an amp ever to this point
2: yeah yeah and so we turned him on and he liked it so much and was fascinated by the technology that he eventually bought one and he just posted a or someone posted a video maybe it was tommy lee or nikki six or somebody they're working with bob again and i saw the kemper i was like ah see see what happened but yeah it was it was great working with him He, he taught us a lot of the old school things and um i think I don't even want to give details about how much money was spent on, you know, like the, the Black album, album and yeah. how much
1: they spent on I the was tape. A mil- I think it was a million dollars.
2: Yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah. But like the In tape, that I think it was like 75,000 just on like
1: the, the tape. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, it was crazy. Like just. Two inch tape is expensive and they, and they took, did a lot of takes and they did all the editing by hand. Yeah. Like, with, with the like, drums. They yeah. cut it. Cut it yeah.
2: I can't, I can't even imagine that you know with the technology evolving so much with you know things like pro tools and ableton and things like that and Kemper's and um man it's come so so far and a lot of people think you
1: you you lose things um i think i think it is a different sound yeah and i i've done two records on two inch tape yeah and there's definitely something there that's yeah. that's different you know and we did that on two inch tape with no click Oh man, really? Yeah, yeah wow. just as essentially as raw as you can you you can you can be in it. Yeah. Um, you know there's there's something to that. No, it wasn't like you couldn't punch in or things like that. We would all we yeah. would still punch in licks or or things like that. But there was there was definitely I think a different kind of pressure and a different kind of oh, energy yeah. and uh, and if you can be someone like Dave Grohl, for example, who bought the the uh, the board from sound city. And then they did at least their, I don't know about the last record. I, I think they might've, but I know wasting light. Yeah. They did it on two inch tape and you know, it's um it's hard to tell. I think these days because every Avenue, because you even, if you recorded analog, you're still going to master it digitally. It's yeah. still mainly going to be heard in digital platforms. Um, but I think there is something though with the way the instruments hit the the tape, it has a way of, sep- like everything. I think sounds more separate. Yeah. Whereas whereas I think digitally everything just tends to blend together a little more. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. It's- my 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 drum teacher. I
2: mean, this is a little little off topic, but he always told me, uh, never rely on an engineer, you know, to make you good. Like make make sure you're good. And I kind of feel that that almost coincides with the idea of Pro Tools where uh, a lot of people are now are just like, oh, I'll fix it, I'll, I'll punch it in, just completely change parts. You're like, I didn't even play that, you know? And and it feels like the soul. Um, I think I did like a, um, like an EP on tape years and years and years ago, but I haven't done any recordings, you know, in the past 10 years on tape.
1: I mean, most of us haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's, it's like, it's... yeah,
2: I, I, I'd i actually like to try that sometime to, to see the difference in, yeah, I feel. feel well, I think
1: that. tape is definitely harder to find, and then also have, having studios that have the equipment, and have yeah. engineers that can that can run it. I, I definitely lament, you know, my, my other band, uh, Vegas Nerve. We we tracked uh, most of our basic rhythms uh, live yeah. with the band, like in the room. We still played to it to a click, but everyone was in a room, and we tried to capture. Oh, that's awesome, a vibe, yeah. but you need to have. The type of songs that i think work in that environment and yeah. then also have the 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 musicians that can pull it off and and be in the moment and just uh yeah just kind of have that yeah. that 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 feel it's it's not easy i think depending on the type of music you do yeah yeah for sure i, I completely agree with that um
2: yeah, thankfully I got like two of the two of the best guitarists I know. You know, they're 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 sick dudes. They're they're awesome. Even seeing them play, and um, one of them does like violins and cellos, which adds a whole new element to some of our records. He he can just orchestrate literally an old, a whole orchestra by himself. He'll just nerd out in in his home studio, and then you know a day or two later, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, and he's super. Yeah, I, I go to Jinx's house and he goes like, look what I just bought. I bought a harpsichord. His like favorite. Band, so to speak is Mozart. So like, you know, he's like really, really classically influenced, which is amazing. I mean, he and some of our albums, he just has a whole overture of just like orchestrated parts, which are all of like the choruses and melodies of um, some of like the singles that we know are going to come out as singles. And he's done, does them all on strings. And it's kind of like this whole um, melting pot, I guess, of all these different, Songs and and ideas, and he just blends them together beautifully. And so it's it's really cool to to be in a band with somebody that's capable of doing things like that.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I can't do that. Yeah, I can. I, I, can, bull, I can bullshit. We actually used uh, this guy, Michael Romeo, who's the lead guitar player from Symphony X, one of, oh, one nice. of my favorite yeah. metal bands from Jersey. And we had a few uh, symphonic sections on the last two, God forbid, records that he did for us. But he does it all. On the computer, and he uses essentially the same software that they score films with. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think called I think it's called Vienna Strings. Yeah, but, but he's one of those guys. You know, he, he you know he he understands how to actually compose. And, yeah, and yeah. Arrange.
2: Jinx actually scored a film. He yeah. Scored, yeah, I went to the the red carpet thing on that, and it was like a horror film. And I, it was amazing to see him. Uh, I was like, how did you even know how to do this? Like, how how did you get? He's started? all self taught. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, "Oh man, I was stressed. I was stressed out. I I just had to learn. It was like, you know, I uh, I forget which terms you use. Pretty much like fight or flight type thing. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, like watching his score on a like a big like horror thriller type movie in a movie theater. It was like the the Regent Regency or whatever downtown. It's like wow, it's amazing. So yeah, it's 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 cool. And then on the on the other side, you have you have Jake that comes up with a lot of like the other things. And so having those two guys. You know, a blend together as as the guitar section of the of the group. It's it's really interesting to see them work together.
1: Right on. Uh, how, so how did the record do? Um, did it did you guys feel an uptick or like get a little more love from radio or have an impact because of who was working on it or the types of songs? Um, yeah, it, it was more the record before that. We worked with a producer that was
2: uh, John Feldman, which is more. Um, I guess I don't, don't want to say current, but uh, I don't know what the right term is. But his. His way of writing is, I, I guess, a bit more radio friendly, and yeah. so uh, you know he he likes to have drums pulled back a, a lot more, like not so much double bass and things like that. And so we went from um, John Feldman to Bob Rock, and we knew it was going to be like a heavier rock record. And so uh, I mean, so yeah, some of the active rock, uh, it, it 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 did it did well. I don't I don't know. I think that one. I'm not sure how high we got on on the Billboard. It was top twenty for sure. Yeah, uh, top fifteen, I would imagine. Um, maybe seventeen with with Bob, or mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. Was that your biggest debut?
2: No, uh, our biggest one. I think we got to seven. That was, oh that, wow, that was that was our best. Uh, but yeah, we d- we did. Uh, I had a great time recording the album and playing the songs live. It was incredible. But we went back to more of a um the record after that back to. To John Feldman and so there's, mm. a, there's a lot more ear candy so to speak and you know Pro Tools and so where Bob, Bob's knowledge as far as uh, doing orchestrating and just overall like getting that raw that that feeling in um, I think it's a completely different vibe than working with a guy like John Feldman mm. where it's, it's like a lot of uh, in, I don't want to say intense but studio um, type stuff and ear candy here and there and um, his, his songs are it's just a completely different. So process. he helps
1: you. He writes with the band, or kind yeah, of puts yeah. In... So
2: when we do when we work with Feldman, he'll he'll be in there, and we'll have ideas, and we'll we'll get him in. And so um, he he doesn't orchestrate necessarily, but you know things like that. Um, you know, they'll go ahead and lay down like like drums and things like that. Whereas with with Bob Rock, he would he he would have. Um, just me taking drums and now do this, now do this, instead of having like it all kind of programmed and be like, you know, this is like pretty much what we want like, but do a little flourishes here, here and there. Uh, And I remember my favorite thing working with Bob Brock is he'd be like, all right, now do one for fun. I was like, what the hell is that? He'd be like, just do a full take where it's like a drum solo. He's like, just go, just go for it. And I'll see what I can take. And so there was like some really cool stuff that became parts of the songs from that. And so like, I would, he would just be like, man, just, just go nuts. I go for it. So it, was, it was, for me obviously it was really fun doing that, but um well,
1: well I mean I think that's the at the epicenter of creativity absolutely is, is, absolutely is, is when you learn to just let go and not care and be okay with making mistake or be okay with just seeing where the kind of subconscious mind takes you because it's not like when you're playing at least at least with myself, it's not like it's a very thoughtful process for me it shouldn't be it should be more of a, a feel yeah. process you should be kind of just going with your instinct in your, in your gut and your just where the emotion of the moment takes you
2: oh for sure yeah and and um you know coming from a, a record that it was a bit more pulled back you know more four on the floor bass drum stuff uh, it was a lot a lot of fun and feeling and I think doing that you're pushing yourself you know to your your physical capabilities and to your limits and you get some really cool things out of it. And um, whereas the the other the other way, and I think some of the songs might have had a bit more commercial success because they were a little bit more pulled back and I don't want to say formula formulaic, but you know that formulaic. Yeah, yeah, yeah more more radio friendly stuff. Whereas I mean it and you see it in the comments some are like i think that's their best album and other people are like i think that album's terrible and you know you're never going to please everybody but as as an artist you want to do uh, what you want to do at that time and you know if there's a a vibe you want to give out or a message you know lyrically i mean with my drum playing i just really enjoyed just going for it having really quick like double bass stuff and then it, it was easier for me to let go and pull things back the next album cuz i'm like all right that album was that album you know i don't need to go like crazy metal on on every album. So like as as we get, the further along we go, I guess it's a it's a bit more pulled back and um I, I guess relatable to, to the common yeah. listener.
1: Well I'm I'm fascinated by this stuff because I'm completely new to this kind of more mainstream radio world. And I've had um Zach from Shine Down the show and yeah. Keith from, from Breaking Benjamin and and you know it's and one of the questions I, I would ask them is, you know, do you, or even Roy at Roy, um, uh, Roy Mayorga, yeah, from Stone Sour. yeah, I love I know, that dude, he's awesome, you know. Who obviously, you know, very uh, band has a lot of success at radio and things like yeah. that. Just asking them about is there that pressure to write the single or have that song, and and for the most part, they say no. I mean, I, I know with uh, Zach, he was saying how he he likes writing hit songs and he likes writing yeah. catchy songs, so it's not really. Uh, it's not much of a labor. There's no pressure because that's what they do. Yeah. That's just their oh, yeah. style of songwriting. Yeah, you know, they're everywhere on the radio.
2: Uh, Shine down, like they killed, I, they I, I go. I, you know, I listen to Sirius uh, Satellite Radio, and like if you put on any type of rock station, they'll come on. You know, from any any drive I'm on, they'll they'll end up on there. And uh, a lot of the songs, it, it's just. Just works. It flows well. Uh, I think earlier in our career, there may have been a bit of pressure because they didn't know signing to a major label. They didn't know how how it's gonna blow up or which direction we're gonna go to. So that like the I was telling you the album, the first major labeled uh, release that we did, uh, we would send all the songs and then they go like, you don't have the song yet. Like you don't have the song yet they said that. Yeah, and so like the the last song we did was like the biggest song on that album called Fallen Angels. Yeah, yeah. And and so like that was like the last song and then um the record after that I think we did like our our biggest song ever which was In the End. And um Yeah, I mean I, earlier we would we would get some of that and I think, you know, depending on record labels and management and in, in
1: which way you're you're But band- they were but it seemed like they were right. Right? They they knew you didn't have it and oh, they, yeah. and then when you did "quote unquote" have it? Yeah. Did they know, or did you know? Or? Yeah,
2: I mean, we were kind of at the end of our recording uh, time anyway, and we ha- we had to get get going on releasing this stuff and sending everything in and preparing it for it to be released. But um, yeah, I mean, they they liked it and they and they knew. And then um, yeah, uh, we never tried to concern ourselves with that though. We we never went like we're gonna we're gonna do like we're going to make a hit right now. You know, we were kind of honest with ourselves and and try to do things like that. I mean, yeah, we would try to make things, uh, songs that were in a particular fashion or, you know, vibe or something like that. But I don't think we were like, this one's going to be like the next single, like right here, you know, until we were done with it. Cause you know, you would have to see where it ended
1: up. Like, well, I'm, I'm of the mind with, with, with bad wolves because the kind of band it is that really, I want every song to be a hit. And when I say that, I mean, a song doesn't necessarily have to be on the radio to be a hit, right? Like you can have a like I think Lamb of God writes heavy metal hits. Yeah, yeah. you know you can just go through the album and every song you're just like, holy shit! It, yeah, it, it sticks in your head and you it's memorable and you you know or, or you know being like Kill, switch Engage, every song on the record the whole crowd singing along. Oh yeah, uh, for and, sure. And so it's about making everything a banger, just like whatever. You know, no album cuts, no just something that's here to be moody. You know, and and that's the you know every time out, that's kind of the goal. But it doesn't mean it has to be on the radio or that it has to be that yeah. kind of uh, song structurally or it has to be soft or that. It's just about nah, man. We want something that's gonna get the place bumping. Yeah, Whatever, oh, for know? sure. Yeah. You know, and I think I think that's when I think of like a hit. I'm just thinking about something that you put it on, like we you know you're, you know when you're hanging out on the bus or you're at the bar and then someone puts on songs like. Fuck yeah, that's, Yeah, I, I love stuff like that, especially like revisiting songs from years and
2: years ago that I forgot about that we did. Um, I'll I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh man, I, I think this is awesome. And it's not that I'm full of myself or anything. It's just like, I, I completely get what it is. And those songs may not have even been pushed as a single or anything. And like some of the songs that I like most weren't pushed as singles or whatever. And, and you know, for whatever reason. And um i don't know it's always interesting and and some people love it so some people love certain songs and uh you know the the band it's it's always interesting and i almost love when you know as a group we ask like oh what's your favorite song on the album and everybody's song is different i mean we've had several albums that everyone does that i don't sit there and like ask them every album like hey it's interview time what's your favorite song but uh yeah i always love when everybody has a different song on the album i mean i just feel like everyone kind of got their creative uh creative input out there yeah and everyone the
1: feels invested everyone feels that they're being acknowledged and, and that absolutely. they're part of yeah. the, the, the collective yeah you know and sometimes you know i think i think that was much more common back in the day like you'd have a band like queen where every guy would have songs or the beatles and or yeah. the eagles or bands like that where every you, you know in, in many ways some of these bands were essentially super groups where every single person oh, yeah. was a songwriter and a singer and could present present their their uh, output, you know, yeah. kind of in a, in a in a in a in a different way, and it's most. The truth is, most most bands these days probably don't have enough writers or people that could do that. Except I know Periphery did an EP called the Clear EP, where each guy in the band wrote a song. Oh yeah, uh, and it's actually one of my favorite things. That they were really? Doing. Yeah, every song is killer. Like, yeah, every guy is just like, oh, they're all. Ridiculously talented. Yeah. Hey, fuck these guys. Yeah, dude. Okay, I'm
2: I'm so glad you say that because I'll see like talented musicians and I always go like, like Luke Holland was a dude that I said this. Uh, We met up like a couple months back. Uh, and I'm just like, dude, you're in that fuck that guy category. Kind of like looked at me. I was like, no, no, it's not like disrespectful. It's like when it's oh, ultimate respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's like that's as high as you get. Like, oh, fuck that guy. Like, and it's when you just watch somebody so talented that you're just like, oh, fuck that guy. He's just like he's you're, got. You're filled with envy. Yeah, like, you yeah, wish, exactly. You wish you're just you could like do... you're like, oh, you're just you're just incredibly talented, you know. And yeah. it's like I I'm glad you said that because I always like I have that category of like fuck that guy, and it's not like anything derogatory or or mean or anything. It's like. It's almost a, a very odd way of showing your respect for how talented they are you know like or at least for me at least
1: yeah but. man i i still i remember i just saw a video last week where some guy played all of marty friedman's solos on rest in peace with clean guitar yeah and it made you when you just kind of see exactly what's going on playing wise yeah and you're just like Fuck that guy. Fuck Marty yeah. Free. Like, that, like this dude, just every note is was just perfect, and every composition was floss and it was original, and was played with feel, and it was catchy, and it was yeah, it was every every thing you you want to you want to mark. And I've sat down with those solos and tried to play them, and you know some I do okay, and some I kind of I, I blow it. But it's it's all it's this thing of you know. I don't know, at least at least for me, I'm all you know, right now I'm looking down the barrel of a new Bad Wolves record where I'm gonna have to write, you know, a bunch of guitar solos. Yeah. And it's really important for me to do something special. Yeah. And and, and I'm and this is speaking as someone who I'm not the guy who spends six hours a day on YouTube learning new techniques yeah. and, and, and being that guy who's a woodshedder. I I kind of use the instrument as a utility uh, to write and create and and express myself right um and i you know, the way this band came about i was kind of on a different plane i was almost going against everything i had i had learned or or kind of portrayed especially with like coming from a band like god forbid which was very much a metal a heavy metal oh, yeah. metal band where the guitar and the guitar solos and things like that were at the forefront it was a, those that's what the songs were kind of arranged around oh for sure yeah um and I, I spent a few years trying to unlearn that, because I was, it almost seemed that that type of mentality could hinder a certain type of songwriting. Yeah, you know, in, in a way. So so now I have to kind of go back in that and put that head on where it's like, okay, here's your time to shine. You have to do something really creative and really cool. And, yeah, yeah. And and not necessarily technically challenging, but it has to have some flair to it. You know. Sure. Yeah. There there's so many musicians and.
2: The the longer I, I do music in my life, I mean, I guess working with different producers, you know, such as Bob and John and stuff like that, uh, it, it goes for like whatever the song calls for. If it's like a gnarly metal song, you know, I'll do like crazy fills and double bass and like show chops. And if it's sometimes I'm doing a ballad, I got to pull it way back. And it's, it's taking me a long time to kind of get to that point to where, you know, overcomplicating things just to either show your skill level or because, I mean, it's not always... The, the best and in, in the end and so like and even like you know recording i would do things that i thought sounded the best and you know in 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 the overall the bigger picture it's it's not and it's it should be a little bit more pulled back and stuff and so yeah it's it's always interesting to to see which way you're gonna go especially like shaping a new album you know if you're gonna go more you know metal or more
1: rock i guess or or whatever well but, I, I think you know, you know we're, we're really lucky in this Time period where I think you can do both. We look oh, at you yeah. look at the success of Avenged Sevenfold. You look at the success of Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, um, and these are arena level bands. Oh, for sure. And you know, you look how big a band like Volbeat has become. Oh, yeah. Where they're not ashamed to be metal and to be heavy yeah. and have guitar solos and have double bass and have aggressive vocals. Um, I think there is a, a lane there that is being even. I look what hap- what's happening to our band where yeah we have some songs on the radio that are doing really well but we're a fucking heavy band yeah, and people are gonna pick up the record or stream the stuff and they're gonna see their well yeah we have these songs but there's also this other very heavy element to, to the band and hopefully we can bring some people into that side of things yeah. who maybe wouldn't have gotten into it otherwise um, you know so I, I, I think that that opportunity is, is, is still out there and you can kind of do you don't have to just decide we're a rock band we're just gonna do this or we're yeah in this boat you know? oh
2: yeah we've we've gone all over the board with different genres I mean we we were kind of always laughing at ourselves or laughing at other people to try to place us in a genre because we can't some songs are, are metal sometimes then people are like they're not metal some songs are like almost pop rock you know some some songs are like, I don't know. We're just all over the place, and that's kind of the way we wanted to be. Like we just wanted to do what we wanted to do. You know, we we, if we felt like putting like a harder, more aggressive record out, we would. If we wanted to to pull things back and have it a little bit more melodic and you know, pleasing for the masses, we would. I mean, we would we would kind of just do whatever we wanted, which was I I I liked doing that. Yeah, it was fun.
1: So I I know you said um there's going to be a big gap coming up in the in the kind of busyness of 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 the band and i know that story came out with ashley a while back but that was kind of deflected that you know you guys you know because you you do have shows coming up
2: yeah yeah um yeah i think a lot of things were misconstrued i never listened to that podcast um oh my god my phone didn't stop for like three days and i'm just like oh my god this everybody leave me alone like stop bugging me like everybody um you guys are everywhere i was like, yeah oh well, you know uh but yeah, we do have shows coming up. We're planning on doing the um the 10-year re-release which um I'm not exactly sure when that's going to come out, but I believe the majority of um 2019 everyone's going to kind of be exploring uh their own ventures, so mm. to speak. And so um yeah, it'll be an interesting time. You'll you'll hear some music uh from a lot of different people in the band. So, it'll be
1: cool. They're going to take you back at the hospital.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I got to go back and, you know, do the do the back office treatments that Everyone, no, uh, yeah, I, I'm working on a bunch of different things. Like I, I was uh, explaining to you before the podcast, I've been doing some session work. I was tracking actually all day today, I did like 11 songs, so I'm kind of brain dead at this point, but um, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, you know, i we've been working as a band together, I love working with the guys, but just you know, getting different producers or different, um, I don't know, just musicians. And I, I'm experimenting with a lot of that. And that's a, a lot of fun. I mean, don't misconstrue what I just said. I'm not leaving the band. The band's not breaking up. But I mean, there there will be a little bit of a break coming up here um, after these shows. We're doing a few in Hollywood and a couple festivals and stuff. So
1: yeah, I mean, do, do you think there's because you, your band has gotten to certain heights and, and certain levels, but I think you guys are also one of those bands where you're one song away from moving up to that next level, you know, where it's, it's all the possibility. Yeah. And, we, and we've seen that happen with bands where it's, they're at one level and then they, they write that one song yeah. and all of a sudden this happens or who who knows maybe Andy's going to end up in some, you know, in the new, uh, you know, twilight or something. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it, you know, that, you know, you just never know what, 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 what could happen. Is that something that the band kind of behind the scenes is, is looking to always try and get to that next plateau or? Uh,
2: I think we were a bit more driven uh, for that a uh, few few years ago. Um, at at this point, I think, you know, we're doing like the 10 year re-release. I don't know if we're gonna be doing like an an original yeah. um, before right. that comes out. I yeah. wouldn't imagine we would like release two out, uh, like a re-release and, and another, Album, I mean, we may be doing some original songs or something like uh, brand new original songs But as far as like an album, I don't think right now currently, we're We're, we're looking at that yet. I mean, I mean, I think um, the, the task at hand is to try to do this like re-release thing uh, that we're doing I mean, you know, we're gonna be working on that even though we we have a break and we're not gonna be performing for a while I mean, we're gonna be recording and, and doing that stuff and so um, That's what'll be going on behind the scenes and then also everyone will be doing uh, their own, their own thing too. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what everyone's working on and, and touring with and things like that.
1: Right on, man. Well, I've, you know, I, I can't be more proud of, of, of of what you've done. And, um, Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, man, listen, man, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, how many people have been in this business and this end of things and, and they get to a certain level and maybe they're personality changes you don't hear from them anymore oh, yeah. or, or you know um and you know you're definitely not one of those oh thanks, those, man. Of those people you've just always been just so cool to me especially like when i moved to la you were one of the first people just embraced me and kind of welcome welcome oh, me thanks, and, man. and it was you know and it's and i i definitely of the mindset you know you surround yourself with successful people that whatever energy that oh uh, for sure that, yeah. that that kind of will, will will flow forward to you and you know and so it's for me, it's a, you know, a, a, a privilege to have, you know, great guys like you in, in my life to, to be oh, able to thanks, just... Oh,
2: thanks, man. Yeah, it's, I mean, that that's, that's one of the things we were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, establishing these friendships and relationships with people and, you know, wherever their careers take them, hopefully one day they, they're not so full of themselves or, you know, or whatever everyone for me i get happiness when everyone comes up together you know like i've never tried to hold anybody down hold anybody back or sabotage anything for anybody i mean if if i'm coming up like i want all my boys to come up too like you know and whatever i could do to help out or or do anything and you know and so they're not spreading taco bell hot sauce on triscuits you know for dinner (laughs) and having collections call them and stuff but it's like thank you man that really means a lot to me but yeah you're doing great and and likewise like i'm so stoked for your success too i mean yeah i saw you um down the street after that corn show last week and uh yeah like just your your success and just seeing the photos and the size venues you guys are playing i mean um I've, i've known tommy for a long time i've known john too and uh you know like i've known some of the the band members and stuff and it's just great seeing you guys just smashing and killing it and i couldn't go in my car hearing you guys on the radio too and so it's like for me that's what makes me happy not envious you know it's just like good like good like i'm, I'm glad like they're blowing up you know like I, I i get so happy and thrilled like that that's my buddy and like i even told uh my girl i was just like oh yeah remember we saw him at the that's doc from the beverly center she's like oh yeah I was like, yeah, that's him and she's like oh yeah i like this song you know it's like yeah that's him and so it's to me it, it makes my, my heart smile, you know, at the risk of sounding a little colorful,
1: but uh, yeah. you know, it's uh it, it does. It it really makes me smile and makes me happy. Well, listen, I I I appreciate that, you Neon. Know, it's, it's that um old line from Reservoir Dogs. Let's not start sucking each other's dicks yet, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh yeah. <laughs> but, but but with that said, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh this has been great. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Is entitled the outsider and it's from black veil bride's latest record veil which came out this year and uh yeah i hope you guys enjoyed all that the conversation i appreciate cc he's the man he's such he's just a fucking nice nice guy hopefully we can do some shows with them actually i think he just said they're doing a, they're having a break so maybe i shouldn't get my hopes up but um that was a lot of fun like i said been meaning to get him on the show for quite some time and uh yeah that was a good one so just to let you guys know, you know, so I about I leave in a couple days, gonna be on tour for about six weeks. Um, so to be honest, shows will probably not be as rapid fire as they were, uh, you know, a few months ago, just because of the schedule. And you know, when I do this, I just want to I want to bring my energy, I want to bring my enthusiasm, and I don't want it to feel like a slog. So I'm definitely going to, you know, I think now we're back in the states, and hopefully, you know, gather a little more mental um, stability and emotional connectivity and all that good stuff. You know, you know, I definitely want to put that into some good shows. I definitely want to try and I plan on speaking to Jason Hook on the next round and I have to kind of look, look, see where we're going. If I can pick some interviews up, but, um, you know, it's all about energy. I feel like I've, when you've been out this long, you kind of, your energy gets sapped and I want to, want to get that energy back and, and put it back in the show for you guys and, uh, and get some good conversations. But I think I'm really going to save a lot of, you know, the real big stuff, or when I say big stuff, I mean, just kind of, I have the master list of people I want to talk to, and I'm really going to hit that hard, uh, after the new year because I'll be home and I'll have a little more resources and time and just ability to kind of track people down. That's the hardest thing. I think people don't realize about this is just the scheduling and linking up with people. and, And I like to do them in person. I will do them over Skype, but you know, I, I like to get up, get with people and look them in the eye. And also you get a little bit better production with the mics and all that stuff. So anyway, I'm not going to run my mouth, but uh, thank you guys for listening. And, uh, you know, hopefully not too many people get bummed out with the the, the gap. You know, I'm, I'm definitely in the less is more camp, but I know some, sometimes people feel like if they're not getting regularly, they kind of move on to something else. And, I understand it, but uh, you're always welcome back, and I appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your baby daddy that the X Man is here. Oh, yeah, and basketball season's back, and that means Doc Cool is real happy. Mamba out.